0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I am the host, Jeremy Jackson, and I have with me today Dr. Danny Beringer. Danny's been on multiple times with the podcast, usually talking about EMRs or the electronic medical records system, so the most recent NATA, when we were in person in Vegas. He was talking about how to go completely digital. Then he talked about kind of comparing and contrasting the different options. So th- there's been a couple times where Danny has been on, again, considering or talking about the different options. But recently, as he completed his doctoral degree, he looked at the different employment models for athletic trainers and not focusing on why a school should hire it, but what an athletic trainer should look at and considering in each of the different types of employ- three main employment models. So Danny's got a presentation for us. He's going to be talking about how we as an athletic trainer can benefit and where we where we go from there. So this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash employment considerations. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash employment considerations. So Danny, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me. Let me first start off by saying this is a project that I Used in part to fulfill the requirements for my doctoral degree at AT Still University, which I completed on December 1st this past uh, year of 2020. Um, so, a lot of credit goes to my advisors, uh, Dr. Allison Snyder Valier and Dr. Kaylee Welch Bacon. They were amazing in helping me put this together uh, through the pandemic and and helping me, you know, strive to produce such a, in my opinion, humble opinion, the, the high quality. Um, paper that I did here project. Um, So the problem that I started with was, as my previous job, I was the director of sports medicine for a hospital and coordinated outreach, athletic training services for area high schools, as well as the collegiate sport clubs. Um, But I found that a lot of athletic trainers, when they would come to interview for a PRN position um, at one of these high schools, they didn't know what to ask. They didn't understand the position very well. Um, and even I, as an athletic trainer who, you know, at one point got interviewed for that job, um, realized there's not a, a good sort of basis of understanding of what to ask and, and what to consider for these uh, employment models, especially when you're going to something more private outreach. Um, and, and we'll get into the, the different settings here, but, um, when COVID happened, it threw an entirely new wrench into the system of considering not only your employment model, but also the contract language. And I think a lot of that gets looked over mostly because you're just happy to have a job in a setting you think you like. And um, I I think that COVID definitely underscored the need to really evaluate the contract language and find out what those other job duties as assigned maybe, or what the expectations are given some strange scenario that you you may not be able to foresee. Um, And so the employment models discussed in this project were secondary school employed properly. So through the school district, or maybe even just the school itself, if it's a private school. Um, Contrarily the outreach setting, which I previously worked at, where it's either a clinic or a hospital that provides athletic training services as a means to bring in business um, or and or to provide a service to the community and then also the the prn model where you're working through someone like go for ellis or uh, any other number of outreach um, prn capabilities where you're uh, working for secondary schools who may not see the value in hiring a full-time athletic trainer just yet but definitely know that they want someone there for the events So, the first consideration is the source of funding. Um, As a school district employee, obviously the funding is coming from the city, state, federal level, um, depending on the school and your position. Um, A big aspect of working in the secondary school setting is whether you're going to have any teaching responsibilities. And some schools can easily justify the addition of an athletic trainer if they're getting that funding from the state because you're. Uh, teacher certified, and you're providing a service in the classroom, um, and then it's just they're responsible for the stipend, which is much more doable on their end. Um, so, as an outreach AT, the funding can come from a corporation um, if it's overseen by a corporate board. Um, if it's a nonprofit, then you know the funding may be a little more tighter and it's important to understand where this funding's coming from because it's gonna dictate to a certain degree your job security. Um, if it's outreach employment into a secondary school, then you've gotta worry about the contract language, whether you can be furloughed, whether you know, you're you an, in an at-will state where you can be fired for any reason or whether there's just cause needed. Um, and then also whether return on investment is gonna be a key aspect um, for your funding and of course, that gets into the uh, start Law and all that stuff. So, definitely understanding that um, as a PRN. Obviously, funding comes from the school district proper. Generally, they're going to pay either you directly or they're going to pay the um, you know the go for LS or whoever is the finder for the position. Um, and then it it generally comes from the event revenue. So, typically, the funding is a sound source, you know you're going to get paid. Um, it's a little more stable. But again, it's it's PRN, so you're not getting the continuous income through as as you would with an outreach or a, a school district. So for job expectations, um, as a school district employee, you know you're going to work long hours. Uh, on the other hand, you know you're most likely going to have summers off depending on your, your title and your role at the school. Um, you may have to supervise and educate AT student aides, um, but they're also beneficial in that they help do some of the grunt work that you know, it gives you time to work on the educational aspect or the clinical aspect. Um, as COVID introduced, we also began doing illness screening, contact tracing, and then, of course, the teaching aspect. And whether you're a full-time teacher or you're just available as a substitute, depending on your state and your your teaching certification status as an outreach athletic trainer hours can be a little more regulated um my last job i worked a little bit fewer hours than i'm working now um the downside was i was working year-round summers were just another opportunity to try to find more business try to you know really conglomerate the data from the previous school year find out where we could have covered more events brought in more patients that kind of thing Um, definitely more travel for the outreach at generally your outreach and so it's you're not usually working in a hub you're going to be reaching out and trying to bring in patients from outlying smaller cities Um, and of course that's dependent on where you are i know dallas and houston have outreach ats that stay in Houston and so maybe they they may not um, travel nearly as much but again there's traffic involved and, and it's a consideration on you know are you putting mileage on your car are you using a company vehicle um, you know what happens if you're in an accident when you're in the job or is that a, a workers comp injury are you not in, on the clock until you're at the facility um, these are considerations that you should make sure you ask when you're in an interview um, or signing the contract, even, excuse me. So, lastly, whether you're going to be supervising any uh, athletic trainers. As the director of sports medicine at my previous job, I supervised anywhere between 10 and 15 athletic trainers. Um, and so, that's it's a consideration. As a PRNAT, obviously, you've got more freedom in your schedule to, to pick and choose when you're going to work, but you are responsible for maintaining your own documentation and communicating with the school district or the school itself, uh, who's in charge of that information and who needs to keep it, whether you're just gonna give it over to them to store for the seven to 10 years, or you're gonna hold on to it to protect yourself. There's varying policies and procedures between school districts if you're covering multiple ones, um, making sure that you understand that one school may not want you to do one practice and and another may. and then the changing responsibilities. If there's a changing coaching staff, do, are they still going to want the athletic trainer, especially with the new athletic director? Um, does coach want more involvement from the athletic trainer? Does coach want less involvement? Human resources in the school district employee. Um, contract language is going to be in every setting, but but in the school district proper, um, again, teaching is a big thing, understanding whether you're teaching with an AT stipend, or if you're employed as a clinician who may or may not have teaching responsibilities. It may seem like it's mincing words and and nitpicking a little bit, but it's incredibly important to understand what your primary role is with that school district so that if something happens, you can say, look, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am supposed to be a teacher with an AT stipend. And maybe I'm not doing as much teaching as I thought I would or vice versa. Um, and, And just knowing going into the job what your expectations are whether you're supposed to work summer camps. Um, the number of days on the contract is a big point, um, at least in Texas. I can't speak for other states and how they do their contracts, but um, in Texas, the number of days is kind of how you get a little bit more money compared to just the stipend. Um, and then, of course, benefits are extremely important. Health insurance is obviously necessary, um, along with you know retirement uh, and then other considerations in that end. As an outreach athletic trainer, um, HR may be a little different. They may or may not know what an athletic trainer is or what your responsibilities are. Um, most of the time, they're going to be more involved in what are you doing that could be a liability to the clinic or the hospital, um, making sure that you're covered in that end. So liability insurance, making sure you have physician oversight, benefits. And of course, the stark law and referrals, making sure HR understands that there are some hospitals where they may not understand stark law. Excuse me. Um, And that, you know, they may want referrals, but it's important to understand, can't, you know, force a patient to come to a specific facility legally. And then always noting if there's that other job duties as assigned Uh, clause in your contract as the PRNAT obviously you're not going to have any benefits or HR access for the most part you may hire your HR um, online system they have plenty of those Um, but understanding that you're going to be responsible for the liability insurance finding standing orders from a physician to make sure you're covered if that's necessary in your state Um, basically being your own HR manager As far as the immediate supervisor goes, um, I think that is an often overlooked aspect of any position, not even just athletic training, but I think a lot of people may or may not um, fully weigh that value when they apply for a job and accept the job. Um, If you're a school district employee, typically your your immediate supervisor is an athletic director or hopefully we're, we're kind of getting out of that and going to more of a medical model where your immediate supervisor is some sort of clinical personnel, be it um, a school nurse or um, you know a, a director of sports medicine um, who is either an athletic trainer or a physician, that kind of thing. Um, maybe even a team physician as your immediate supervisor, hopefully. But to some degree, most likely, um, you're still gonna have a principal, a superintendent and an athletic director uh, in the secondary school setting proper and most of the time they're going to have little to no clinical background or experience so it's understanding that you're answering to someone who's not a medical personnel as an outreach at maybe you are employed through a physician-owned clinic and your ceo or your immediate supervisor is a clinician in which case that's always helpful and reassuring and understanding that they're going to know what and what your value is sometimes it's just the ceo or the cfo And maybe they have an MBA, and they're not really clinically inclined as far as uh, the medical model is concerned. Um, And then you're also going to answer to those athletic directors or the sports camp supervisors or whoever is in charge of those contracted entities. Um, You have to answer to them as well. Uh, While it's a different kind of answering to, they're not going to fire you necessarily. But it's important to to keep that revenue and to maintain that contract. So you still want to keep them happy. PRNAT, you're going to have a position with standing orders most likely. Um, But then your immediate supervisor is going to depend on what you're working. Working a giant tournament, then it's a tournament director. Um, But it's still going to be you know, most likely an athletic director to a certain degree. Maybe just the head coach at that time, the event that you're working. And and then we get into locations with specific nuances, which is just something that really sat with me during my last position as the outreach or the uh, director of sports medicine for a hospital. Um, It's really important to understand how much value that carries with you. And all of these are gonna be person specific, obviously. Some people may weigh more on, some people may weigh more heavily with the HR aspect. Some people may care more about who your immediate supervisor is, um, but this consideration deals with whether it's in a rural or urban setting, um, whether there's any sort of physician or clinical staff relationships. Um, as a school district employee, you know are you dealing with far travel if you're in a rural small school? Is your nearest component an hour and a half away? Or are you in an urban setting where you don't have a single game further than 45 minutes away? Uh, if that's something important to you It's a consideration. As an outreach AT, are you going to have clinical space access to treat anybody? Um, if you're just performing outreach services to a high school and they don't have an enough on site, you know, are you forced to use the weight room to do your evaluations? Are you forced to use a coach's office? Um, You have multiple offices depending on who employs you what if it's a hospital or just a a private practice whether you've got offices at at different schools and you know if you're storing information there as a prnat as far as location specific nuances go you're not going to have a huge familiarity with the stakeholders most likely unless you've been doing this for years and years and there's been no turnover And likewise, they may be unfamiliar with you. And so there's that lack of established trust and relationship that is nurtured so well as a school district employee, um, or even as an outreach athletic trainer who's stationed with the same school for a longer period of time. Um, So in conclusion, understand that all of this is personal preference. Uh, it's, It's just really important for athletic trainers to weigh these values in their mind before they even go to an interview, Um, just to establish a sense of control almost um, over the interview and not feeling like you're in limbo and at the mercy of the interviewer um, so that you know what you want out of a job. And always understanding an interview is a two-way street. It's not just, I want the job and please give it to me. maybe this job isn't the right fit for me, or maybe it is. Uh, Making sure that all of your boxes are checked while they're trying to make sure all of their boxes are checked.
0: All right, so Danny, you said you recently switched to uh, high school, so you're working at Liberty uh, Hill High School. And did that have any influence on why you chose this project?
1: Originally, my DAT project was going to evaluate how Students in the secondary school setting perceived uh, the services they received based on the employment model. So it was convoluted and complicated. And then COVID nineteen happened, and it was just not uh, doable, really. So um, Dr. Valier and Dr. S- um, Bacon really stepped up and kind of came up with this idea that I've got this experience with, you know, various number of settings and and really seeing the ins and outs. And they wanted me to kind of just write a commentary on it and find the research to kind of support um, considerations for employment models. And so this paper probably happened, the idea for it, I think it happened after I already got the offer for this job. Um, So it it was interesting timing for sure. I don't think it necessarily had any bearings on it, but it it definitely helped illuminate some of the considerations that I put in the paper for sure.
0: I gotcha. Now, you wrote about the three main ones being the school, the outreach, and the PRN. Are there any other employment models that you have seen um, you know, here in Texas or even across the country?
1: I mean, there's intricacies to all three that you could kind of tease out and say, well, this is more this or this is more that. Um, I, I think those are the three main global ideas, and there may be more that I, I'm just not familiar with. I'm definitely no expert as far as the entire country goes. Um, but as far as Texas, those are the three that I have the most experience witnessing and, and dealing with for sure.
0: All right. So going back up to the very top where said source of funding. And so I know here and in, in Pasadena ISD, we are teachers with athletic trainer stipends and days. So I know that some school districts just recently went away with days, um, but they increased the stipend. And then I know some districts like Paraland, ISD, again, focusing here on Houston where I am, they are admin, so they don't have – they're not teachers. They just have the admin contract, so they don't have the teaching responsibilities. They may still have um, athletic periods or, you know, even students in their athletic period or maybe they're on the coach's roster or something like that. But um, talk a little bit more about why that's important to understand where the money comes from.
1: Sure. So, I mean – as as a paid employee no matter where you're working athletic trainer or not it's going to be important to know where your funding comes from because if the source of that funding is cut then maybe your position is liable to be cut as well um and then it it also speaks to your job duties i mean if you're that's awesome that the admin thing i mean that's just admirable I, i wish a lot more schools did that but um if you're labeled as admin and you don't have teaching responsibilities per se, then obviously that's a lot less stress and in, in trying to focus. Well, now I've got this classroom and I've got to do all of these professional development days and making sure that I'm keeping up with my continuing education for both teaching and for athletic training. Um, you know, what what are the expectations on days where teachers have to come in, but there's no athletics if that ever happens? Um, you know, that, that source of funding is, is really, unique and it's it's got a lot of parts to it that that should weigh heavily on a lot of athletic trainers when they go to, to interview for a job um, and it's it's a touchy subject to try and bring up naturally without sounding like attacking or skeptical um, but bringing it up in a way of you know well where does the funding for this position come is it going to influence who I answer to um, that kind of thing
0: So essentially in the job description, it should say, um, athletic trainer plus stipend or teacher plus uh, athletic trainer stipend, right? It like, or it'll say admin position requires a master's degree or, you know, administrative certification or something like that. I would think, and then that would give you an an indication. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, yes. I mean, job descriptions have gotten a lot more descriptive lately, which is nice and helpful. Um, But I think a lot of it tends to just look boilerplate, and so we kind of skim through it and don't really see those keywords that are hidden in there that may, you know, point to, hey, this is who you're actually answering to, that you're going to answer to the principal and not the athletic director or vice versa, Um, and then, you know, whether you've got extra days or not. Um, That part was kind of new to me coming to this position. I was like, well, you know, it's a... 202 day contract, like what does that have to do with anything? And then you realize, Oh, that's 15 more days than teachers get. And so you get, you know, paid per day essentially, and you get extra money that way as well. So that's it.
0: So one of the things that like I've noticed, you know, just, I think two, three years ago here in Texas, there was a, I think it was like a $5,000 base teacher salary increase. Well, that wasn't for office staff or the admin, right? So if you're a teacher, so like me, At I guess I'm a teacher plus an athletic trainer. Of course, we only teach sports medicine, but I got that pay increase because it came with the teachers. And so those things are important as well. But then also, like you said, the funding, you know, all right, well, now there's budget cuts because of COVID, because of school attendance. So does that mean we're going to have to reduce the number of admin? And now is my position in jeopardy? So like the school nurse, they're not from, I think they have to be local funds and not federal funds and things like that. And so it is important in considering those things as far as funding. And then talking about job expectations. So um, some places, they, you know, hey, you have a certain number of hours. But like you said, for the most part, athletic trainers know you're going to be here in the morning for morning treatments or for class or whatever it is. And then after school, you're going to have games and things like that. And then, again, here in Texas, as we had everything more or less shut down for a week, then you're going to have to reschedule and adjust those schedules and things like that. Um, I, I feel like admin has to do that as well. And maybe I'm looking at it from the assistant principal perspective, but I know that they have they have pretty long hours as well, but it's not, it's not quite the same. I know they'll have to come and show up for the games and they have to do a lot more stuff on the weekend. So you mentioned the job expectations and knowing the contract language almost all the contracts have a other duties as assigned. How would you go about clarifying what that means?
1: Yeah. So I would just say, you know, in the past, what has qualified as other job duties as assigned, what did my predecessor do that, uh, you know, wasn't necessarily in the contract language, but was still expected of him or her. Um, And if you're at a new position, then say, give me a hypothetical, like, or if you know, you're with an under an athletic director, asking them, you know, in the past, where do you see could be other job duties assigned? Am I going to be helping the school nurse? Am I helping out cafeteria duty, um, bus duty? You know, those kind of things that may not necessarily be included in the contract, but would still be expected. Um, Doing things like laundry, washing the player's clothes, um, setting up the football field. That was, you know, something that I wasn't aware I was going to be responsible for, but all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, we set up the field um, with the pylons and the, the field goal protectors, those kind of things, um, which was a lot of fun. I love doing that. But,
0: um, Get on the golf you know, carts if you can to toss know, it out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's important to understand, you know, those, those little things. And, and I think a lot of it, you know, when you're approaching it from how do I bring this up in an interview, if you're just comfortable with it and understand how much it, it means to you, then it's going to come across as sincere and personal instead of attacking and cynical. Um, and as long as you're real with the person that you're interviewing with, um, it, as long as they're a person too, they should understand that you're looking out for yourself and they're going to respect that. Nobody wants, I say nobody, most people these days don't want a robot who's going to come in and work to death and then be useless after one year. So, you know, it's important to, to look out for yourself and most people will respect that.
0: All right, and again talking about the number of days, the I know Dr. Jim Barry out in he's in South Carolina. They have a situation to where they don't have anything on the weekends unless it's paid extra. So like holidays or weekends that If they're working, then they're paid extra. And so that's part of their contract as well. So what are are some of the things that you might tell an athletic trainer to have that conversation say, hey, my contract is 187 days. What happens if I work the weekends or the holidays? How would you have that conversation with a potential employer?
1: So this kind of goes back to my documentation um, when we were talking about EMRs and how important it is to document everything and having an ability to track that sort of thing. Um, If you come out of the blue to your supervisor and say, Hey, they're doing this in South Carolina, we should do that here. They're probably going to laugh at you and say, you wish and nice try. Um, (laughs) But you come up with data and say, look, they're doing this out there and this is Either you know it's the same price. They're saving money. It's just a little bit extra, but they're getting more here out of the employee. Find out you know how much you're working. Give that to them in data form that's not tainted with opinion or you know cynicism. It's like, look, I'm earning three dollars an hour because I'm working so many hours. Um, just show I'm here on these days this is the last time I had a day off, or you know, we could make this work because we only have X number of games on the weekends and you know, it, it works elsewhere. As long as you have data that is raw data and not manipulated in any way, it, it's a way to bring it up. Um, it's probably gonna be a long shot just because so much of what we do is, well, they do it elsewhere this way, and that's why we do it. Um, but if you can justify it, then a lot of times it'll at least get the wheels turning and maybe get something in motion to where maybe you don't get the full, you know, situation like Dr. Barry has, but maybe now, Hey, we're going to give you more Saturdays off um, just because we realized how much you're working or, or something like that.
0: Yeah. And their situation is different. Cause I know he teaches, I think he has like teaches psychology psychology at, at the school or something like that. So it's not like, it's just like, Oh, He doesn't, you know, he comes in at noon and then has all the weekends off, something like that. Right. So like you said, there's a trade-off, you know, he's there full-time as a teacher and has an athletic trainer stipend, but any extra days other than that contract. So.
1: And, And that's, that's part of it too is being willing to compromise and say I'm willing to stay later on these days or come in earlier on these days. If we can, maybe we should, you have an idea to change the practice schedule to make it work better. Or if you're at a school with multiple ATs and say, why are we both here all day long when we could overlap a little bit, um, you know, t- to that end? It, it's just about bringing up ideas and and being receptive to whatever they say, um, not going in and, and feeling shut out and hanging your head. It's like, okay, well, maybe I'll try something different next time.
0: Yeah, so I feel like every single time we talk about change with anybody on the podcast, it all comes down to the data I talked to my principal and she was like, well, you know, I'm just really big on the numbers. So, okay, well, we're collecting all, we have all this information. So maybe you can help us, you know, look at it and that kind of thing. And so even at that, that conversation, it's like, one, I'm collecting information. Two, I'm asking you your opinion. Three, you're being able to look at it, see, and manipulate the data. So then you're involving her in the process. And so I think that's If you can do that or, you know, an assistant principal or something like that, somebody, some sort of supervisor saying, hey, here's the data we've collected. Can you help me organize it, collect it, make it tell the story or, you know, allow it to tell the story? Those kind of things are really good. All right. Um, You mentioned the tournament director being part of a PRN. And again, as you're, I would, I would refer you here. Uh, as as you're listening to Alicia Pennington's podcast and information about doing PRN and having liability insurance and standing orders and all that stuff, the the legal protections, because that's just not my specialty. So she's done a lot of really good stuff there. So if you're choosing to work PRN, I would definitely recommend checking out her things there as well. Um, just knowing that there's a lot that could go wrong, because one of the things you said, Danny, was keeping records so as an outreach and as a prn you should be keeping some sort of records in case six years later somebody comes back and you're like well i treated a thousand kids at that tournament and that was six years ago how am i supposed to remember anything that happened so
1: right. i second that for sure she her podcasts are amazing with that so definitely.
0: as far as miles and things like that uh you mentioned an outreach you know here in houston there are like the Houston Methodist, who is our school district sports medicine partner, but they have people, you know, who drive an hour, once, to you know, once a week, twice a week, three times a week, whatever it is, or just specifically for games. But there's also some that are working with Houston Methodist that are outreach that work full time at the high school, and so it's definitely a consideration. And I know that Houston Methodist offers the miles for their employees, so they. They keep them, so Kristen Salinas works here, so she keeps Miles. And as she drives to all the different intermediate schools and things like that, she turns all that stuff in. So it's definitely an important conversation to have. Or I know Memorial Herman, they have some trucks that are like you know branded, logoed, wrapped, whatever you call them. And you know maybe that's the thing, like hey, you guys pay for the vehicle, I'll have it wrapped with the uh, the logo, or you know you guys pay for this much per month, and we'll have it wrapped with the logo. And I'll drive it to all the events and that kind of thing. It may be another option. So
1: there's mileage tracking apps that I used. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely the the tools to do that. Um, but it's, it's certainly a consideration. I drove a thousand miles a week at my last job. Um, so it's, it's important to know going in, you know, if that's an expectation, um, you know, are you going to be compensated for it in some manner, whether it's, you know, it's in your salary, or you no, know, it's extra mileage um, reimbursement, which is nice because it's essentially tax-free since it's a reimbursement.
0: And actually, there was a situation in recently where the athletic trainer was expected to work during the summer camp, but that was just because the previous one had, like, you didn't get paid for it, right? And so I was like, "Well, I'm not doing anything." I'm not working over the summer. And so they're like, well, why am I? Cause you know, we were kind of, we were coworkers. Like, I don't know, but I'm not doing it because it, I'm not getting paid for it. That's not part of my days. This is when my contract starts and ends. And so, you know, it's part of that hard conversation. And I've mentioned before on here that I'm not the most tactful, most uh, eloquent. And so sometimes I, I should probably ask those questions and, say, well, here is what I understand and and why, rather than just, no, I'm not doing it. But I don't know, so far it's worked out for me.
1: But it's also hard, right? When you're passionate about something, it it can kind of come out fast and before you have time to think about it. And so that's, that's why it's really important, at least in an interview that, you know, you have coming up to at least prepare in your mind, if not with a a spouse or a friend and and say, you know, let me rehearse what I'm going to say a little bit so that it, it comes out a little more congenially.
0: And I would say for sure, reach out to another athletic trainer or, like Danny was saying, his program directors, that kind of thing. I know when we've talked to Jared Plummer, that's one of the things that he does. He'll interview um, the East Carolina athletic training students and say, hey, we're we're just doing practice interviews. So most programs should be doing something similar. Um, If you could just reach back out to those people. Or, you know, even me, I was, when we hired Sophia, I was – the one that did the very first round. So I, you know, I, I interviewed like 50 people and then I took that and cut it down to about the, like the top, like eight. And then we they had to go through two or three more interviews. So I've done those interviews before. Um, definitely reach out to somebody to help work through those questions and answers and how you're gonna um, get all these considerations. So anything else come to mind, Danny, that we haven't really covered?
1: think so just make sure that you know you're looking out for yourself because they may or may not be as the hiring person um but ultimately you've got to look out for yourself so know what you want know these considerations and and their weight and value in your mind and understand where you're willing to compromise a little bit and understand you know what are um, absolutes for you
0: all right so dr danny berenger if somebody wants to get a hold of you what's gonna be the best way
1: Uh, email, um, uh, dbehringer.lat at gmail.com.
0: All right. So Danny is also on social media. If you want to look him up, follow him, find him, reach out that way. In case you can't remember D um, this, so Danny, we talk about, uh, continuing to to learn how to be and things like that. So I partnered with the with MedBridge here on the Sports Medicine Broadcast. You can use the SMB to get a discount for the, a year's worth of CEUs. What is your favorite way to learn, and what are you working on learning right now?
1: Man, so I I just finished learning for three years with my doctorate, and so this the past two and a half months now I've been. Kind of just taking a brain break and, and relaxing. Um, I got an email from NATA saying some of my online CEUs that I claimed are about to expire. So um, I'm actually working on getting certified to do cupping, um, and then hopefully needling sometime in the future. Um, but you know, with, I I really like going and listening to people speak in person. But obviously with the pandemic the way it's going, that's been limited. But I do enjoy listening to lectures. Um, I think, in my opinion, I learn more from someone who is passionate about a subject and, you know, has good inflection in their voice and, and talks about it like they know it and they're not, you know, just trying to read off slides or, or, you know, I don't want to sit there and read off slides myself. So if someone can tell me a story about it and, and tell me how practical it is, or even if it's just research, um, you know, the implications of it, that that's how I enjoy learning.
0: Yeah, the the distance learning gets gets tiring, but it is what it is right now. So, like I said, if you want to use MedBridge, you can use the SMB. Um, and then I also have the code the SMB if you're going to buy Mark Pro. So you can, you can check that out. I know usually with school districts, you, those coupons don't work. But if you're buying it on your own or for your gym, home gym or whatever it is, your commercial gym, that kind of thing, um, Mark Pro for recovery, you can use the SMB as well for your promo code. So this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash employment considerations. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash employment considerations. I've typed in most of the things that Danny was saying, but you can always reach back out. Um, Actually, I I do have one thing I highlighted and wanted to go back over. Stark law and referrals. Is that just saying that patients can go wherever they choose, that we can't force them to go anywhere, like even in an ambulance?
1: Yeah, in layman's terms, absolutely, Um, you can't, so Stark Law refers mostly to physicians. Um, There was an issue, and I wanna say it was back in the 90s when Stark Law was created, Uh, might've been a little bit sooner, but um, basically physicians were uh, referring, they would have ownership in a clinic or an imaging facility or a surgical facility, and they would just refer them there and say, this is where you're going and the patient wouldn't know any better, didn't know they had the right to go wherever they want. Um, and so they would send them there, charge them astronomical prices, and then you know reap those, those, those incomes. So um, Stark Law is in place to protect patients and make sure that physicians have to disclose if they have any sort of stake in any facility to where they are referring them. Um, as far as athletic trainers go, especially when employed through outreach models, we're an extension of the physicians so we have to say you're free to go anywhere you want i can get you in next day with this physician but you know if you have your own physician by all means that's where you can go
0: Gotcha. yeah that's typically what i was like hey we're partnered with Houston methodist and that's easiest because we can call them on the cell phone text them whatever but you can you know it's your kid you can take them wherever you want so here's where i'd recommend but it's your choice yeah. so
1: You can recommend all day long as long as you make sure they understand that they know they have the right to go wherever they want, and then you're covered.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, hey, Danny, I appreciate you uh, coming on, sharing this wisdom. Hopefully, uh, athletic trainers stop to consider at least one or two of these things, and preferably all of them, as they're applying for different jobs and things like that. Make sure you're collecting data if you're currently in an athletic training position, because that's how you're going to make the biggest changes. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com com slash employment considerations. You can reach out to dberringer.lat at gmail.com if you want to reach out to Danny and follow up with some more of these questions or maybe even do a a practice interview with him over Zoom. So for Jeremy, Dr. Danny Berringer and the Sports Medicine Broadcast, that is a wrap. Thanks.